Hey, listeners, welcome to Shred Capital's new podcast series. We're calling this Speed Dating because the whole idea is to grab people at trade shows and pitchathons and investor meetings and get a real on the fly understanding of what their business is what they're hoping to accomplish and why they're the ones to place big bets on. We think it's a great environment to grab folks because they're very much in the middle of the game and we're getting the fresh and hot thoughts as they bounce from investor meeting to investor meeting. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode of Shred Capital's Speed Dating. All right, so we are live here at the Halifax, Nova Scotia, Atlantic Venture Forum. And we have with us today, Kat Adelaide from Aria, and she's going to tell us about an incredibly exciting and an incredibly cool product that I had the pleasure of witnessing yesterday. And she's going to tell us about why she built this product and why the market needs what she's built and how she got there. Welcome, Kat. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, so we started back in 2016, 2017 with a mission to decentralize and democratize energy for end users because a lot of people are looking to get away from the utility grid. And what we found was there were a lot of products in the market for solar and energy storage, but not a lot in terms of wind. And you can't have a proper microgrid without wind. So there's this huge gap in the market, lots of demand. And uh, we thought, well, you know, we have a a background in wind turbine design. Why not uh, go for it? So we started out with this idea to integrate modular wind turbines into high rise buildings starting off. That was very interesting to developers and we got 100% yes rate for pilots. But unfortunately, the time to market and just the capital requirements to develop Mm -hmm. such a system was Well, we thought it would be much better to find something that was more of a low hanging fruit opportunity. Right. And so we scaled down the technology and we developed it into a consumer product. And what we did is, you know, you never really want to develop a technology and find a use case for it, but we ended up finding that there was a huge need for a source of power when you're away from the utility grid and that has many different applications. So the main consumer application is the outdoor recreation market. However, we also have a large audience with regards to emergency preparedness. So that market exploded when COVID hit. Sure. And then there's also a massive need for infantry soldiers in the defense market. So we actually didn't make the connection initially. We got approached by a former special forces soldier and he said, have you thought about defense? Because this is a massive problem for them. And that's Glenn? No. Oh, a different one. It was a different person in the startup ecosystem who also was in the special forces. So yeah, we started looking at it and we realized that, yeah, you know, infantry soldiers have to carry up to 27 pounds of portable batteries to charge almost 15 devices in the field. And that is critical to their operational success. So it is a massive problem for them. The weight burden, their backpacks usually weigh around 160 pounds while they're deployed for multiple days in the field. So That's it crazy. Is, it is, yeah. And so to reduce that pack weight significantly by reducing the amount of batteries that they need to take, we are solving a huge problem while also simultaneously using the just high power potential of wind to create more power sure. while in the field. So not only is that very useful for the campers and people who have lost their power at home, but also infantry soldiers. Absolutely. So what's your background? Why wind energy specifically, or even just the democratization of energy? What drove you to this? Um, I went to Queens for mechanical engineering. I didn't graduate because I suffer from entrepreneurship syndrome. So (laughs) I started my first business right after I dropped out, which was a 3D printing 
prototyping, small-scale hardware development sure. type uh, outfit. And I ran that for a couple of years, and then I guess I merged with another business shortly after and uh, worked with them for a while. But uh, when I was at Queens, it's kind of funny. My least favorite course was fluid dynamics. Okay. But I also really loved renewable energy. Right. I thought there was a lot in terms of the design of renewables that had yet to be truly unlocked. And yeah, I just find the technology fascinating. Solar is cool as well. We're not anti-solar in sure. this business. We love all forms of clean energy. But what's great about wind is just the ability to you know, make it small and compact and also build it up and produce more power as a result right. of you know making it bigger where solar it's really difficult because it is totally dependent on the surface area of the solar panels and right. sort of collapsing that down and the weight <clears throat> of the semiconductors is, yep. is significant as well. Absolutely. Whereas if you have higher wind speeds, you can charge things faster. Right? That's right. And but the blade size stays the same and the weight stays the right. same and the application stays the same. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So with the exponential relationship that wind speed has with power, the more wind you have, you're creating exponentially more power. Absolutely, yeah. well, that's exciting. This podcast is brought to you by Shred Capital, www.shredcapital.com and where all fine social media channels might be found. If you're an early stage founder, taking your first or ideally second crack at a game-changing startup, we'd love to help you get to first base. So when you think about your journey since 2016, you described a little bit about how you started with high rises and so on, and here we are. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges, the trials and tribulations? What keeps you up at night? <laughs> you don't look like you get much sleep, so you're a classic <laughs> entrepreneur. Yeah, so, no, I've definitely, I look a lot different than when I started this journey, let's just say. Right. Yeah, no, to survive a pandemic as a business, then a semiconductor shortage, then a just general part shortage, then inflation, then supply chain hurdles, just yeah. as you're commercializing, like that was not fun. Is um, not fun. Yeah, right? it, it's still happening, but we're coming out, we're coming the other side of it now. Right. The inflation, not, not so much, mm -hmm. is still very much the thing. But the semiconductor shortage almost, I think, tanked us. And if we hadn't made a particular, very unpopular decision, then I think we'd be out of business. Wow. So we ended up launching Kickstarter campaign back in 2021. And we were blown away, forgive the pun, blown away by the demand for the product. So right. we sold out 500 units five days into the campaign. Awesome. And that was over 200,000 in sales. And we still had another three weeks to go at least. And we decided we're going to cap it there. Okay. And everyone thought we were crazy. Hence the unpopular decision. Yeah. They're like, what are you wow. doing? This is the dream yeah. scenario for all founders. Why are you doing this? And it just came to a gut feeling. We're like, you know, there's a lot happening in terms of just the global economy right now. And we want to be able to fulfill these orders. And we've demonstrated the demand for the product. We, we were still raising VC money. Like we had to show sure. demand for product, leverage investment, and then really. So it's a bit different than what most crowdfunding companies do. But it ended up being the right call because if we hadn't, we would have had to fulfill more orders and basically have lost money on those initial orders. You wouldn't have been able to fulfill the orders because of the supply chain issues. Exactly. And so on. Yeah. So semiconductor shortage increased our PCB bill of materials by about 30 to 50%. Wow. And that just totally ruined the unit economics for the first run of units sure. that we did. 
but we still fulfilled those orders. And then with those lessons learned the following year, once we launched sales again, we had a much better price point, at least for the business. Sure. And we we're making positive gross margins this time. Yep. Some hardware startups, you know, I've heard some horror stories in terms of like when they actually start turning uh, positive gross margins. But yeah, we put a lot, a lot of thought into the unit economics the second go around and uh, it ended up helping us a lot. And that set us up for success, sure. becoming EBITDA positive. How's your company structured today? So you're at the helm as the CEO, mm -hmm. founder. Yeah. That's it? No. <laughs> what do you got? We got a team of nine people, probably going to be hiring another one person in the next six months. Okay. And yeah, we've got such a great team. They're wonderful people. And it's to the point where their passion and their determination, tenacity, it just, they overcome problems. And it's to the point where I just don't even need to pay attention to the day-to-day -day things. Right. So, you know, we have manufacturing in-house, which I think has blown a lot of people's minds. Also another semi-unpopular decision. Yeah, that's not sustainable. Probably. Well, long-term, no, right. but for starting out, we were able to make the cost of goods sold work by doing low volume manufacturing in-house. Sure. And we were able to respond and adjust and fix things as they came up. And we've had control over quality and it has made all the difference. And so this team that's now basically running the day-to-day -day yeah. operations side by themselves, you know, I don't even need to give input on issues that come up. They know what to do. And it's a founder's dream that you have a team that just executes so well. So they're working, you're spending your days at the beach counting cash or what do you do? <laughs> no, um, I'm still very much involved in the sales and marketing side of things. So, you know, we've made a transition from crowdfunding to just general e-commerce and we're also looking at retail. So sort of restructuring some of those retail agreements because now the focus is cash flow positive rather than growth at all costs Absolutely. So yeah. as a result of the DC downturn. So. Thankfully, they're just so keen on what we're doing that they're considering it and we're negotiating a new deal, but there's still a lot to do on the e-commerce side. And so I'm actively involved in that. And then just fundraising, other sources yeah. and trying to get defense side of the business. Uh, absolutely. I thought that was pretty exciting, the, yeah. the defense side. I thought there's an absolute application there, certainly in any military. Yeah. So like anything, if you can get that first big referenceable win, right, with whether it's the Canadian military or if you can break into the U.S. military or, or some other application for it that's widespread like that, I think yeah. you'll be off to the races and make tremendous success for your company. So if you were to give advice to someone who is just starting up today mm -hmm. and they came to you and said, Kat, what's the one thing I need to know as a, as a startup founder, what advice would that be? I, it's really hard to limit it to just one thing. Sure. Then um, you can tell me 10 things. We have all the time in the world. Well, I think entrepreneurs are naturally very confident and they believe very much in themselves, which is the absolute characteristic needed for success when you are an entrepreneur. However, I would say that some entrepreneurs go too far the other way. There's sometimes tends to burn bridges, arrogance, and then just believing that if something goes terribly wrong that their investors are just going to bail them out. Right. I have at least tried to operate on the assumption that we have got to operate independently as a business and, and do what we can to put out fires. And obviously if there are issues, I'm going to bring in my board and people that can help and update investors, but I try not to take things for granted. And I try and find a lot of non-dilutive funding. Like non-dilutive funding, I think, has been one of the main strengths that I've been able to bring sure. to the table. 
and my relationship with those non-dilutive funders. I mean, I have great relationships with my, our investors, but I think treating your funders just as good as your investors is critical. And we have such great non-dilutive funding in Canada and especially in Atlantic Canada. Mm-hmm. It's great to build product here. Not always the best to sell from here, but right. um, yeah, these programs are in place, make use of them. And it's a long journey. It takes way longer than anyone. <laughs> we were developed in development for five years wow. of a consumer product, like, you know, yeah. So I think some people think that that's crazy that we spent so long developing something that is meant for a VC application, but you know, it's also paying off because the time that we put into that and getting it really right and the money that we put into it, leveraging those non-dilutive sources to make those investment dollars go a long way. That has part of the reason why we've had such success with our customers is that we thought things through sure. very diligently. As an engineer would? That hasn't been my experience with a lot of engineers. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That's a wrap for another session here from the AVF in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Thank you, Kat. And we wish you all the success. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Shred Capital's Speed Dating Podcast. We think it's a great new format where we get fresh, hot, and fast takes from founders that are right in the middle of the action at investor events, trade shows, pitchathons, you name it. So if you want to know more, please come visit us at www.shredcapital.com. Learn a bit more about what we do to help early stage startups put their best foot forward and raise that crucial first round of capital. And you can also find Shred wherever you find social. You can find this podcast in the usual spots. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Come talk to us.